Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest today is Sandy Fox, and our topic is, I have no intention of saying goodbye, coping techniques for the now childless. Sandy Fox is the bereaved mother of Marcy, her only child, who was killed in a car accident 12 years ago. Her book, I have no intention of saying goodbye, tells the story of 25 sets of parents and how they moved on with their lives after their loss. Sandy, a high school teacher for 28 years, has been a journalist and freelance writer her whole life and now enjoys speaking to bereavement groups around the country, trying to help others through their grief journeys. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you, Gloria and Heidi. It's great to to have you on the show, uh, Sandy. Now, where are you located? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Very nice. Yeah. Great. Where our uh, our radio show is actually uh, emanates from. (laughs) Oh. oh, uh (laughs) Actually from Phoenix. Well, uh, Sandy, could you tell us a little bit about Marcy? And she was killed in an automobile accident 12 years ago. And uh... Right, in 1994. Uh, she's 27 years old. She's been married five months. And they had just bought a new car and were driving it home. And a driver came out of nowhere, side street, uh, smashed into them, and she was killed instantly. Uh. Um, her husband survived. Um, he has had... Many, you know, operations over the last 12 years. Now, are you in touch with him then? So I am not in touch with him, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was just his parents' decision. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope to be in the future. And so you're open to that? What did you say? I said, and so you're open to that. Oh, yes, very much so. In fact, I did get one email from him accidentally that was supposed to go to someone else, and... And I did answer it, and he was—he did—he did answer my email, and said he was still—he had not—he had not ever been able to deal with the loss, and when he could, he would then contact me. So uh-huh. it, it was just too hard for him to stay connected to you after the death of Marcy. Yes, I think. Uh, well, of course, he was in no condition at that time. Right. Uh, very, very badly injured, and right. taken him a long time. To recoup, but I I still am ha- very optimistic mm-hmm. about that because I he was a wonderful he is a wonderful person. Uh, well, tell us. Uh, the, a anyway, bit. the driver was okay. never caught. Oh, oh wow! Uh, he he ran from the scene. Oh, we oh, discovered oh. the car was not registered, oh, and therefore he could never be found. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, so it was sort of not not a very good. Um, uh, closure thing for me, you know. Nobody responsible for the accident, right? And how did what did you deal with that for folks out there who are in the same kind of situation? I know some people are very angry and looking and searching. I imagine that would be a normal uh, early reaction. Yeah, I think that's the first reaction. But then my next reaction was, was I better off not going through this trial, which mm-hmm. all of them, you know, eventually go through, mm-hmm. and and am I just better off just moving forward, knowing that even though he was would be on trial, that would not bring Marcy back? How long did it take you to get feeling like that? Do you remember? 
Um, not too long. Uh, the anger didn't last that long against him. It was just really a dullness feeling for a long time. And then just the acceptance that he was never going to be found. I was probably better off not going through all of that. And especially now that I have interviewed people who have gone through trials and seen what it has done to them. Now, how about Marcy's dad? Yes, he. we were divorced at the time. Mm-hmm. And he had a harder... He seemed to have a harder time than I did um, with the situation. He he did go see um, therapists. I did not have to do that. Mm-hmm. I found that reading books was my therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you were an, um, a journalist. Yeah, and, and, and you know I love to read. I love to write. Uh-huh. And I found that the books were basically my grief group. Mm-hmm. Um, I could read, I could read something and say, "Oh yes, I. This is exactly how I feel now." Or I could say, "No, that's not me. Move on to the next book." Mm-hmm. So, so you didn't feel alone because you identified and connected with what was being said in the books, which I did. Other people were saying, "I did," just as other people are doing that with your book. Yes, yes, I hope so. You were saying that you did not go to group uh, right after uh, Marcy was killed and you did not do counseling, that your ex-husband did do counseling, but you found yourself through books. You were able to relate through those and I guess through journaling, did you? Uh, no, no, I, no, I did not do journaling in, in that sense. I, well, what I did was I saw the grief groups as more of a crying session for the new loss, and I much preferred to cry on my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to listen to stories about guilt or family problems. or mm-hmm. and, and you're just a, I like this because not everyone, it comes again, right, Heidi, that yeah. not everyone grieves the same. Absolutely. And, Sandy, did you find yourself reaching out to other bereaved parents, or was that not the way you grieved? Well, you know, after a time, I did. I started meeting bereaved parents, and I realized that, you know, we had this thing in common that really brought us together. And as I talked to more bereaved parents, you know, this idea of a book started coming in mm-hmm. to my mind because I wanted to, you know, after this initial grief period, what do you do with the rest of your life? Right. That was my big. Now, what thing. what what did you see as this initial grief period? How long did you see that? Well, for, for me, it was um, approximately two to three years. I know that you know everybody grieves differently, so. But it's important for our audience to hear that, and I would love to have everybody in the world hear that. Yeah, and <laughs> just said initial grief. I love that yes. too, Mom. And two to three years. Go ahead. Initial three grief. Years. I mean, you never you know you're never going to get over it, but you're you try to work through it. Right. And and uh, I met so many parents who then told me about an organization called Alive Alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Alive you Alone. Uh, have no other children. Marcy was your only child. Right. And that is for parents who have lost their only child or all their children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are some members who have, have lost three children, up to three that I know of mm-hmm. right now. I did... Go, I did Decide. I wanted to connect with them, and I ended up going to one of their conferences. And how about do people get in touch with Alive Alone? Is it's on the internet? Yes, it's. Uh, all you have to do is go to AliveAlone.org, okay. 
mm-hmm. and uh, all the information is there. Uh, Kay Bevington is the founder, and she's done a fabulous job over the last, my gosh, must be 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And that was the that was her thing to start that organization, and she has helped so many people. Right, and uh, if people go to our May 11th show with Rick Yachty, Rick has had uh, two children die, and he yes. does kind of a satellite group for the Compassionate Friends. Uh, it's right. kind of a connect group, but it's not really, um, I don't remember what they call it, but satellite or whatever. And then August 4th, we had uh, Joyce Harvey on and her daughter. Uh, oh, the name of the show is, um, she died by suicide, uh, Suicide Changes Hearts, and that was her only child. So there are a couple of uh, shows that people might want to tune into if they're having these issues. Well, Heidi, you were going to say something. Did you lose that thought, or have you got it on? Well, uh, I did lose that thought, but I had another one, that it's so important for people to hear about these childless conferences and the organization Alive Alone, because we have so many people emailing us that say, you know what, a lot of your guests are saying it's comforting to have grandchildren, it's comforting to have other children, and we don't have that. Exactly. We don't have any other children, and so we want to know what's going to help us. And, of course, there's Heidi and I, who are mother-daughter doing the show. Right. Which I think must be kind of painful for for some people out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, before we get into that, because I want to talk to you about the National Conference, but I'd like to do it during the last segment so okay. we kind of leave people with that. I want to talk to you about your book. And um, uh, particularly you had the ten ways to teach others about grief and how it's affected us. And uh, I want to tell people we'll lightly touch over those because we obviously don't have time to go into them in depth. But um, they're on the blog, thegriefblog.com, and you'll be able to go to them and um, go there and read the points. But, Sandy, do you want to talk to us about some of those points? Sure, sure. I think that, uh, you know, what happens is we we can expect others to understand how we're feeling, and sometimes we get angry at people for saying or doing things, and they don't mean to be cruel, but they just don't know any differently. So I came up with these ten grief lessons to so that we can teach others what they can do to help us. Mm-hmm. I like that. And um, the first one, of course, is... It really puts it in your hands then, doesn't it? It yeah. empowers you a bit to feel this way. You're not just waiting. Right, right. And 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 these people are... I mean, I had an email from as far away as Australia. Somehow she got hold of this little article I wrote about these uh, ten ideas and asked me if she could. She says, it's just what I've been trying to tell others, and could I please print it in our newsletter, our chapter newsletter. She was a member of Compassionate Friends. Oh, great. And as I said, it's on our blog, so you can get them. So do you want to listen? Should we run through them really quick and then stop and talk about them? Sure, sure. That would be fine. Uh First, of course, is be there for me. You know, reach out, talk to me, you know, hold my hand uh, kind of thing. Even though we may, I'll never forget this woman saying to me, how are you feeling? And I said, oh, I feel fine. And she looked at me and she said, you don't feel fine and don't ever say that. <laughs> and I looked at her and I thought, you're absolutely right. I shouldn't say that. I should, what I should say is I'm, I'm doing okay and I'm moving on each day as best I can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or or I'm, I'm doing horrible if somebody is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then number, you know, the next one that we are different. You know, we've we we've lived through the most horrible thing that can happen to us, and and some people lose friends over it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they oh, well, some friends disappear too. And some friends just disappear. They don't want to 
you know, they think it's going to rub off on them, I suppose. Or they just can't, uh, can't, they can't deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, accept me for, for what I have become. Uh, for who I am now. Do you think it's uh, more difficult for a childless person because other people may feel uncomfortable talking about their life or their kids or their grandkids or whatever? Sure, sure. And and I find that most of my friends do talk about their grandchildren, and I think that they should. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it, but I feel horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what and, and it surprises me that they don't know I feel horrible when they talk about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, it's just something they perhaps don't think about. I, right. Because you, know. you, you, in a sense, lost your future of being a grandmother. Right, exactly, and, and that's the reason. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't feel they shouldn't talk about their grandchildren. Right. I mean, they are entitled to do that, and I think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, but in front of me, do it somewhere else. Don't do it in front of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and that's how I think a lot of us uh, childless parents feel. But I think that also uh, we are different people with different goals now and, and different priorities and that what was once important to us is may no longer be any, ha, you know, may mm-hmm. no longer be important. Absolutely. And you find new things to get excited about. Different. Right. I was right. going to say you still have a future, but it's a different future. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely. And I, and I think that my, my third thing, which says be a good listener, I do believe that above Everything else, we want to talk about our child. And hear their name. We want to hear their name. We want to share uh, stories about them. We want to keep their memories alive, you know. And a lot uh, of people interrupt that for some yeah. reason. I mean, kind of interrupt your grief. And it would be amazing if someone could go up. I think a gift they could give you is say, you know, tell me about Marcy. What was she like? Exactly. What was her personality like? What did, what did you do together? I want to get to know her through you. Right. That would be such an amazing gift. Oh right, right. And you know, sometimes I have a I have this video that one of her friends did of of her put together videos of different things that she did, and I show it to some friends because I say to them, rather than me telling you what she was like, let me show you what she was like. Oh, that's sweet. And I show them this video. And they just think it's fabulous. Everybody does. That's fun, even for a picture book. Let me show you her. Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, the big thing, don't be afraid to mention their names in their Mm -hmm. conversations also. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're afraid they're going to hurt you if you you mention, if they mention the name. But in reality, you want them to, like you said, Mm -hmm. want them to mention the name. It makes you feel better. Oh, absolutely. And, um... You know, so that that would be all be under sort of be a good listener. <laughs> uh, no one else knows how I feel. That's your number four. That's yeah. number four. Um, everybody grieves differently. Um, I, I love this saying. Don't say how are you feeling. Rather, ask me what are you, what are you feeling. I can probably give you a, a more honest answer. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you feeling? In other words, you know, uh, how are you, what are you feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just feel I can do a better job that way. Right. Number five, I may grieve for a very long time. And, you know, like we all said, the three of us said, everybody grieves differently in their own time and their own way, and there is, and, and they should be allowed to do that. Well, they'll do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it may take, it could, 
may take one year. It could take ten years. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like uh, my blog master said, his brother had been 15 years, and they just barely scattered the baby's ashes. So, right. Yeah. Um, so we're at number five, and I want to tell people that they can pick those points up on the blog, and they can also uh, order your book off of our blog, the griefblog.com, you, so you can go on our website and order the book off the site. Um, so we're going to tantalize you a little bit by holding back the last five. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to the grief blog and look at those. Um, Sandy, during this time, we want to talk a little bit more about your book and, and what's in it and the people that you interviewed and what commonalities you found. Right, right. Yes, I, what I tried to do was interview people from all over the United States, uh, get children who died of all different all different ages, all different types of death from accidents, suicides, murders, to illnesses, birth defects. And the parents told me these stories, most of whom I have not met. It was done through phone conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told me about the child, what happened to them. And then I switched to the parents and their thoughts and feelings and how they channeled their grief constructively. Um, you know, many have done things like build a building, uh, not build a building, have a building location or scholarship in the child's name. Um, some do volunteering. Others had causes like drunk driving laws were changed. Murderers were locked up for life. Uh, gun purchases, there were new waiting periods for gun purchases. And some turned to God and spirituality. But, but all these were everyday people, and that to me was the important thing, to get what did everyday people do because... You know, I'm an everyday person. I'm not a famous movie star type person. And I wanted parents to hear about these everyday people. But I found in doing these stories, there were some commonalities that existed in all the stories. And uh, just to tell you a few of them, first of all, one, all wanted to leave some kind of memorial to honor their child. Mm-hmm. And probably to hear their name, as we were saying earlier. Yes. When you put the name somewhere, it's there. Yes, yes, whether it's on a, a brick in a building or on a plaque in a school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And and uh, secondly, they all chose to to find a cause, a reason to move on with their lives, and they spoke of how they would live those lives and how they would want it to help other people. Mm-hmm. So that gets into your, uh, what's his name, Heidi, that you like? Victor says, Frankel. Yeah. And yes, he's, who was very into, you need to find a cause and a reason to live after your, your sibling yeah. or your child dies. Can yes. you say if you find a why? You, you can find, find the why can bear with almost any how. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I found that uh, all of them believed, of course, that everybody grieves differently, husbands and wives, uh, How far out were they from the loss when you interviewed them? Did you have a time frame? Yes, mo- uh, most of them were five or more years. Okay. Yes. And that's so important for our audience to hear because we don't yes. expect you to be doing all this in the first year. Oh, heavens, year. no, no. Um, but, but I do believe that newly bereaved, um, this would help them, give them hope for their future in mm-hmm. some respect if they could see that, there is a way out of that darkness. Absolutely, and that they'll get there. I mean, that there's and hope. Get there. And Absolutely. that you'll live. Absolutely. Um, but as I was saying, uh, everyone grieves differently and at different rates, and that is uh, painful as it may be, it's uh, important to go through the process to come to terms with the reality of the loss. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
That's important. And when you say go through the process, what do you mean? Well, going through the grief process, you know, whether it, you know, those five, those five steps in the grief process, shock, anger, etc. Mm-hmm. Except, Except uh, we are questioning the acceptance part now yes. and looking at continuing bonds. Hadi and I have talked a bit about and, that And realizing that sometimes you can be in one stage and then revisit it over and over. Oh, absolutely. And that's just normal. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think all of them realize um, also that they will have setbacks, like mm-hmm. you just said, absolutely. or rushes of emotions that can be overwhelming when they least expect it. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that they won't get better with time, but... And and it doesn't mean that they won't always have those rush of emotions. I know, I mean, I do after 12 years. I know that I, one of the people, one of the parents I spoke to after 35 years, mm-hmm. not only does she still think about her child every day and, and say a prayer for him, but as she talks about the child, she still gets choked up. Yeah, you never know when it's going to hit you after 23, right, right Heidi, right. your brother, and, too. And I realize that I, I sometimes feel waves of emotion and get overwhelmed with my grief. But I'm able to rebound quicker and not stay in that pain as long. Yes. Now that it's been 23 years. Yes. Yes. Um, and 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 then lastly, I think they all believe that they are all different people now than they were when their child was alive, because they do have different goals, different friends, probably different priorities, and um, and I think that they are focusing on a. Life with a sort of like a new richness to it that focuses on what their children left them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is really incredible for me to hear you talk about this, Sandy, because you have no other living children. Yeah. This, this is your um, yeah. a par- a childless parent now, right? Is that how you see yourself? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, do you see that differently from people who have other children, or is there a different coping? Or I know you talked a little bit about having people talk about their grandchildren in front of you and that that's painful. Uh, what about any other things? Well, um, I think that I think that the the biggest thing, yes, is the grandchildren thing, but I I I think that um, we are all grieving and I have asked people with children this is interesting. I say to them is it any different for you because you have a surviving children? You know, mm-hmm. is it is it any easier for you than it would be for me who has no none left? Mm-hmm. And they all say the same thing. They all say no. It's no different whether you have children or not. Right, because each child is so different. Like my brother, he's the only boy in our family. No one can replace him. Everybody's so we're such individuals. Yeah, the other children can't replace the child you've lost. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we had one woman on the show, Heidi. Maybe you can think of who it was. I can't. But she had two children die at the same time, and mm-hmm. said that she grieved them separately. Yeah, right. She had to compartmentalize. She had to compartmentalize and say, "Who am I grieving for now?" Yeah. Oh, right. So right. you know, you do. Um, you know, in my book, I do three stories of parents who've lost two children, and each of these three sets of parents did something differently. One set of parents. Um, decided not to have any more children. One set of parents adopted a little Korean boy. And the third set of parents went on to have two more children, who they emphasized in their story did not replace the two original ones that they had who had died, and that their new children know about these children. They go to the cemetery with them. 
they know they are actually part of the family. Which is which is like Pat Loader, Mom. Yeah, Pat Loader, uh, head of Compassionate Friends. They, she went on to have two other children. Yes. That's who I'm talking about. Oh, you are talking about oh, okay. Pat. She's in my book. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. And the Edwards, um, who he's going to probably be uh, putting his hat in to run for president, they had two children after their... But, but like they had a living and daughter. And There's all different scenarios set up, and, and there's no right or wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how did yeah? How did you make your decision about what to do? Did you think about adopting or having another child? Or well, I was, I I remember I my husband said to me at the time, um, "Do you want to have another child?" And you know what? I was fifty years old, mm-hmm. and that wasn't in the cards for me. And no, I didn't want to. Um, I thought I thought there were a lot of things I would like to do. Perhaps I thought maybe. Um, work doing work at a hospital with children. I mean, there were there were things I wanted to do that perhaps involved children. Mm-hmm. But then I got when I started the book, and then I started speaking to groups. I just I found that that was my niche. That was your calling. That was that was my niche. But I, I did want to say just one thing: that after each of these stories I write, I do provide a commentary. Uh, concentrating on giving additional information either about the people through observation and facts or addressing a problem they had. So, for example, if it was um, uh, one of the stories is about a um, a, a child that died uh, in the birth canal mm-hmm. as it was being born, and there is an organization, because I did hear you say this earlier, there is an organization in San Diego called Empty Cradle. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, so there are different organizations that right. I might bring up after the story, or I might talk about if they talked about uh, alive alone or compassionate friends helping them. I give more information on. Oh, great! So that's a place that you will be able to um, link up and look at these things with Sandy's book. Uh, I have been, no intentions of saying goodbye. Coping techniques for the now childless, and you can get that book on our blog, thegriefblog.com, and uh, we get it through Amazon, so you can also get it there. Sandy, what would you hope for people by reading their book, What your book, what would you hope that they would get out of it? I hope, I, I think that people will, will see that there there is hope, there is some uh, life after your child died for you, and that you can move on with your life, and, and hopefully do great things. And, and enjoy your life. Absolutely. Well, um, when we come back from break, we want to talk a little bit about uh, your conference that you're going to be doing, the Now Childless Conference. It'll okay. be held uh, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I want to tell our audience that they can go to www.sandyfoxauthor.com. Right. So you need to put author after sandyfoxsname.com. And is that how they can get a hold of you to speak? Uh, yes, it does have my email on the, on there, and you can. Do you want to give us your email? Sure, it's S for Sandy Fox A Z at hotmail dot com. Okay, and uh, we can try to get uh, the blogmaster to put that uh, on our website too. Okay, on um, healing the grieving. I mean, on the griefblog dot com. Um, Sandy, we want to talk to you a little bit about this Now Childless Conference that's being held in Scottsdale, Arizona on April 20th and, uh, to the 22nd. And I was reading about all the wonderful things you're going to have there, and uh, and I wondered if you could tell our audience how they would uh, link up with that. Oh, yes. Uh, the 
Well, you know, if you go to, they can con, they can get registration forms and learn more about it through my email. Uh, they can email me. I can send them registration forms and more about the conference. But also, there should be information on the AliveAlone.org web website. Okay, great. Um, but this is this is the second conference that I have done. I, I, I told you I went to my first conference in nineteen in two thousand and one on the East Coast, and I decided in two thousand and four that we needed to have more. And so I decided to try my own. We held it over Christmas because we felt that that's the worst time for parents who have lost their only child. Mm. We thought maybe if they didn't have anyone else, they would like to come. Um, It turned out very nice. We decided this time to do it in April to try to get those parents we couldn't get uh, on a holiday time of year. Mm. So that's why this time it will be in April. This is our second one. And um, um, it is very specific conference only for people who've lost their only child or all their children. Now, will the speakers be people who have lost their only child? Yes, the uh, almost all these speakers are people who've lost their only child. And we will do, um, like, for example, one of the sessions will be legal issues for childless parents. Now, what are the legal issues? I was reading that, and I was wondering mm-hmm. what would yeah. be different. Um, that would include things such as, okay, who do I leave my things to now? Redoing your will, uh, doing uh, new powers of attorney, health care uh, powers of attorney, things that, you know, in, you would want to take care of in your later years since there might not be anyone else now too. Mm-hmm. Now, what about also the other thing you had down there was uh, staying healthy and exercising. I thought that was interesting. Yes, we have a wonderful speaker we had last time. It was like our most popular set workshop session, and so we are repeating it in this conference. Skip Hablitz, um does the session. He is a um, he is very knowledgeable on exercise. He did lose his only child. He's very knowledgeable on exercise and how it, uh, to keep your body healthy because, you know, physically, that's an important thing, too, absolutely. when you're grieving. Yep, you absolutely. have to keep, you have to stay healthy and, and he shows them how doing exercises relieves lots of tension, lots of, you know. It moves your right. energy around and I think that grief is a physical assault on the body as right. well as an emotional and psychological uh, one. Absolutely. Right. Well, your conference sounds great, and I would uh, recommend any of our childless folks out there that they go to this conference and let us know how it is, and you yeah. can also find out information about it on thegriefblog.com. Well, Sandy, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today. You've been a wonderful guest, and uh, I hope people will get your book. And um, will you be at the Compassionate Friends Conference in July? Oh, absolutely. I speak there. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, so go to the Compassionate Friends Conference and hear Sandy speak. That will be a wonderful place to go in July. Well, thanks again for being on our show. Thank you, Sandy. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.